Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Portions of the Orders Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1234 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you, Oilers Now. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow a sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Reminder that every Wednesday night, it's date night at Roos Chris, where two can dine for $120. Uh, we are going to be uh, joined by John Shannon, who is headed off uh, to tonight's uh, Hockey Canada Order of Canada event, where Ryan Smith will be honored. Hello, John. How are you? Hey, Bob. How are you? Good. What's going on? What's happening? Oh, it's just... Are you there? Did we lose you? We have lost John. All right. Well, we will work on uh, negotiating contact with uh, John Shannon. I believe uh, for a second there, I thought that was just a really good pregnant pause, but no. Uh, no, there we go. Here we go. You can text us at 630, 630. Uh, here we go. James has texted the show. Bob, the Hawks will go for the kid going the NCAA route, and that's why they're going to pick Wallstrom. Question mark. Where did Brady Kachuk play this season? Also, maybe don't imply that people who read up on the draft are being told by everybody outside of Edmonton that Boquist could be a top prospect on the board and don't know that because they haven't seen Boquist play. Clearly, you know the organization is in love with Smith and Hayton, which is yet another example of the organization underrating skill and overrating intangibles. For what it's worth, I do draft stuff, says James from Lloydminster. I love Ty Smith. But uh, over Boquist is flat-out lunacy. Well, there we go. Thanks for that. Uh, James from Lloyd Minster, who does draft stuff. We bring in John Shannon. John, how you doing? I'm great, Bob. All right. <laughs> By the way, did you get the sense when we were in uh, when we were in Buffalo that Adam Boquist was dropping in the, uh, in the first round? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. Uh, but you know, I, what I did sense was that there were, I mean, it was, it was kind of like those top eight spots. I think people were surprised at some of the in-person interviews that were, were happening to guys like uh, Bouchard and to Dobson that might change the perspective of anything past the number four or number five pick. All right. Well, I'll make a prediction right now. I do not believe that Adam Boquist is going to go in the top ten. 
of the draft. And I know there's people that had him in the 5-6 range. I don't think he's going in the top 10, but I could easily uh, be wrong. Uh, one thing that did appear is the rise of the centers, and we've talked about, the, about that, just Barry Kakanami and Barrett Hayton getting some play late. Well, you know, this is that's not surprising when you consider, and you've done this uh, as much, if not more, than me, when you sit halfway through a season with a coach who's frustrated with his team, and I'm not just talking Edmonton coaches, and all they talk about is that we need another centerman and we need a puck-moving defenseman. So those two groups of players, those two groups of players end up becoming uh, you know, the, the caviar of, of that first round. And, and you know, it's, that, that makes you wonder about guys like uh, Slepyshev and, and Zadina, uh, if they're actually, you know, they're, they have to be that much better than anybody else in order still to be drafted higher than the centerman. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly Svechnikov is going to go to. Uh, you have Zadina, uh, Kachuk, Wallstrom, all exciting scoring wingers. A little bit different dynamic than the centers in Kotkanami and Baird Hayden. So we'll see. Well, you know, and Svechnikov, uh, and I, I think I said Svechnikov by a, a little Freudian, another uh, little mistake. But uh, Svechnikov, I, I think, blew everybody out of the water particularly Carolina in uh, in Buffalo and to the point now where Don Waddell's making no secret of the fact that he's taking him. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, we're both of the belief that the first two picks the first two picks are are going to be Darlene and Svechnikov, which brings us to number yeah. three, the Montreal Canadiens who, and just before we get to the Canadiens pick of three, they made some pretty big noise. What's your take on the trade for Max Domi for Alex Galchenyuk? Well, you know, obviously they had grown impatient with Galchenyuk, and I suspect that Galchenyuk had grown impatient with them. Uh, they needed to find a way to save a little face, and uh, they needed to find another player that had high, a high profile that they could try to sell to their fan base uh, with a little bit of less cap space. Uh, there's about uh, a million eight different in, in, uh, in, in dollars between Domi and Galchenyuk. And they controlled Domi for four more years as opposed to two. Uh, that said, you know, how many players the size of Max Domi do you need on a team? When you think that Brendan Gallagher, Jonathan Drouin, Andrew Shaw, concussions and all, are all about the same size. And, uh, you know, this, this is a team that doesn't have very much size at the best of times. And so all of a sudden they have another winger of that. And the key thing is there he's a winger. Um, that's uh, someone who's you know not six foot two and he can skate fast, but he's he's not six foot two. Uh, you mentioned they get the cap savings out of the realm of possibility that they're in on O'Reilly, and because I mean I think and we'll maybe get to Tavares as well, but I, I think we both think Tavares ends up with the Islanders organization, but no one knows what's going to happen with Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, but I, I think Montreal is going to go hard after O'Reilly and hard after Paul Snashney. Yeah, that makes some sense, you know. And and but you know, the the, the thing becomes is how fast is O'Reilly? How fast is Stastny? And I, I think we got a really good sense during the playoffs, Bob, particularly in the in the third and fourth rounds, of how important foot speed is. And 
and I don't see O'Reilly, who I love in the face-off circle, and I love his leadership, uh, but I just don't see him being very fast. And I don't see Paul Stastny having that extra step anymore. So you can you can spend, and they have over $18 million in cap space in Montreal. If, if you can, you can spend the money and go get these players, but are you really improving your team when you think the league is getting faster? And that, to me, is a major, major issue. John, we're just going to pass it over to Brendan Ulrich, who wants to jump into the conversation here for a couple questions, and he's uh, got one for you right now. All right, yeah. Uh, just uh, how do you think the trade affects maybe what Montreal does, John, at number three here in the draft? Well, I mean, I, I think that that's... Yeah. I mean, I, I think Mark Bergevin has to go back to what he was supposed to be doing a long time ago in, in his rebuilding through the draft. And so, that, to me, I think the best athletes, Philip Zadina. I think they have to go get. They have to, and they have to stick with them. You know, and and you know, obviously they they have a belief that they can find a way to improve their center position, not going through the draft at this point. Um, but you know, there's always rumblings that that Bergevin might consider trading that pick, and and that, it, it must bother Montreal fans when you think they traded Galchenyuk, who was a number three pick. They traded Sergachev, which was a number nine pick, I believe. You know, these, these guys, they don't grow on trees. Uh, and, and Montreal just keeps, the, you know, biting, biting its own hand ever, at times. So if Bergevin was smart, he'd be taking Zadina at that pick and then letting him mature. Yeah, see, I, I like Zeno a lot as well, so I would uh, probably go that route. But you, we keep hearing more and more about this Kotkaniemi, John, and it seems like they may have an interest in him. But would that maybe be a reach, you think, at three? Maybe would you try trading down to the five or six range if you were going to take him there? Well, I mean, you know, that it all depends. Remember the, just re- remember the Pogliarvi draft and all that fervor at those three or four tables uh, when Jim Benning was trying to get to get up to get Dubois, uh, and and uh, Yarmo Kekalainen was not moving off of taking Dubois at number three, and then m- moving things around, and and Poyarvi dropped the four. You never know until we get to the floor on Friday, uh, and and you know again if if Kakimani is is going to be the guy as a centerman that can make a difference but make a difference quickly, then that's something to be said that Montreal might might be willing to do that. I, I just don't see that. I think that they need somebody to play and play now. And to me, that Philip Zadina is the top of that list. All right, John, let's switch focus here. Uh, we mentioned the Canadians making some moves. Um, let's talk about Milan Lucic and the position that Edmonton's in. I've already mentioned on today's show, yes, the Oilers sold Jerry Johansson and Milan Lucic on Edmonton a couple summers ago. But you know what? Uh, Milan Lucic sold Edmonton, or uh, you know, he sold the Oilers as well. It was a two-way street here. Um, you know, there's by uh, all things that Elliot Friedman have reported. Uh, you know, the the Oilers, Peter Shirelli's not looking to give the player away. He's looking to make a hockey trade, and the Oilers aren't going to provide an inducement if they do end up making a move. And logic dictates, John, that Milan Lucic should theoretically be able to uh, bounce back by his own admission. He said it was 90% mental uh, what happened to him last year in the second half of last year. What's your take? Like, what are you hearing in hockey circles on the Lucic front? Well, the the trade stuff just won't go away. Uh, So, obviously, Peter has, you know, been 
kicking some tires and making some phone calls. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I, I think that you know the, the risk the the risk that that is Lucic is that if if he does turn it around, he can be such a factor. You know, I mean. Is it, Bob? Do you think this is about foot speed? Is this about his hands? What is this about? I, 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 I think I, I, if he tells me at the end of the year, Brendan, do you have that clip? Do you have that quote kicking around from the end of the season with Luch? See if he can pull it up. Well, John, what we'll do is we'll just sit here and we've got to kick it because when you hear the comment, it's it, it's not that it's not an admission that he doesn't have the physical tools, but I think it sheds some insight into. The challenges that he had weren't maybe strictly physical. And that, to me, is an important distinction. I mean, I didn't see Dustin Brown bouncing back to the degree he did this year at the LA Kings. And he'd, nope. struck, he'd struggled for four or five years and, in fact, was limited, you know, under Daryl Sutter to about, you know, uh, off the top of my head, I think he was playing about 14 and a half, 15 minutes a game. And he got moved up plus 16 minutes a game and was a lot better player. And I think there's a lot of people that thought that Brown was done. And that was after four or five tough offensive campaigns in a row. In Lucic's case, I mean, he had a bad second half, and it was bad. Let's make no mistake, one goal in 46 games minus 18, that's bad. Especially given the amount of time that he played with, uh, you know, either Dreisaitl or McDavid in the second half of the season. Um, But I don't know if Brendan's going to be able to find it. Oh, he's got it right now. Okay. We're just going to put you on hold here, John. Here's the quote again. I, I think it's probably 90% of, of, of my summer because, to be honest, the way I came in as far as physically in shape this year is probably the best shape I've been in in, in four years because I actually had a summer where it wasn't disrupted by trade or, or UFA or uh, death, matters. death in the family, all that type of stuff. So I, I really got to focus on myself last summer and, and I did a really... I, I, I know I did a really good job of, of taking care of myself. So uh, going back to your point, I think it's 90, 90% of it is just getting the mental part right because, you know, it's just uh, where, where times I, I've been in, you know, scoring situations. There you go. 90% of it's mental. You heard him there. Yep. And yep. that is, you know, that's, that's what I got. When I talked to him at the end of the year, that's what I got out of him was that his belief that he needed to get, you know, his mental, and it's understandable in his case because he has gone through, uh, you know, some traumatic events. I mean, the passing of his father, you know, uh, you know, he's him and his wife have had three kids. I mean, it changes the life and the dynamic that you're living. And then, of course, coming out of market, and he was pretty good his first year for the Oilers, and he was pretty good in the first half of last season. And there is pressure on him. Absolutely. I, there's no question about that, John. But when a player tells me it's 90% mental, I take him at his word because that's a tough admission for a lot of players. Well, here's the one thing I would say is that what is the biggest issue the Oilers had as a team last year? I the, think it was special teams. Yep. I think it was special teams. Well, who's going to benefit more than Milan Lucic when with improved special teams? I don't think there is anybody. So, and... and I think you know as well as I do. When you hear a player talk about ninety percent mental, you talk about you. You really talk about a guy that that lives on an emotional edge to play the game, 
And Milan, when he's emotionally charged and emotionally yep. involved, he could be a real factor. So if you get him rolling on the power play, then all of a sudden, and I, and I fully suspect the power play, well, it can't get any worse. But I think the power play will be different. We will we will view it differently. We will see a different strategy with the power play. And I think Lucic will be part of that. And that's why I think it's important not to get rid of him at this point because I think he's going to be a difference maker. And I still think that, you know, after what he went through last year, um, after coming off that team success of the second round, I, I think he'll be a better player for it. I think he'll learn from it. And I think that that's something to be looking forward to from Lucic next year. John, just to put a, a different perspective on the power play, when the Edmonton Oilers uh, played Dallas the first time last year, that was a game where McDavid was really ill. He had missed yeah. uh, a practice Friday. We flew Friday afternoon into Dallas. Played that an was after- that Saturday afternoon game, right? Yeah, yeah, they played two Saturday afternoon games in Dallas last year. And he, Connor was sick. He had three points in that game. Their, Talbot gave up two terrible goals in that right. hockey game. But after that game, the Edmonton Oilers' power play was 12th in the NHL. Okay, it was 12. Remember, it was fifth the year before. It was 12th yeah. after that game. Their power play finished 31st. Yeah. So that game was in the, that game was the day before the Western Final. Okay, so that's like the middle of November when when we were in Dallas. So from the middle of November, where they were 12th in the league in the power play, they fell all the way down to 31st. That tells you how bad their power play was in the final four and a half months of the season. And you mentioned Lucic being affected. He propped up his numbers his first year here. I think he had 12 power play goals. Yeah. You know, yeah. so no, I, no, that, it's, I, I mean. Think he's, I think he's going to be, the, I, mean, I mean, obviously Connor's the key to everything. But I think that, I, I think that uh, Lucic can be a huge benefactor uh, out of a better power play. Yeah, I really well, do. Well, as a net front presence, right? I mean, he got that. Uh, he got a power play goal on a deflection against the Montreal Canadiens uh, last game before Christmas. It was a four-way passing play. The Oilers, you know, dissected the Habs wide open, and Lucic tapped the puck into an empty net. He never got another yeah. power. That was on December twenty-third. He never got another power play goal all season. Well, I want to see him in front of the net rather than Ryan Nugent Hopkins, like I saw most like parts of last year too, right? Yeah, well, we'll see how they end up uh, deploying, you know, uh, you know the, 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 the three centers. And that's the other thing about the three centers. I mean, the ridiculousness of some of the suggestions out there. We're really, I, John, I really believe we're seeing a center defense. It's always been a center defense-driven lead, but the valuation is at an all-time high for those two positions, in my totally. opinion. So. No, I agree. I agree. It, it, it has always been that way, but it's getting even more, more distinct. That, you know, it's a centerman's league, and it's a puck-moving defenseman league. Absolutely. Which is why the Oilers have to consider one of those two players. I like the, you know, the Vitaly Kravtsov's a very uh, exciting player, but he's a winger. And we don't have that much information on him. Uh, Boquist, who might be available, is following a bit. Nobody knows if he can defend. And then you got Barrett Heighton, the OHL Scholastic Player of the Year. He's got the hockey sense. And people yeah. are like, well, he's not a lead offensively. And I'm like, have you seen some of the goals that he was involved with? He's got, you know, and then you got Ty Smith, who outscored in his draft year, 
Ivan, like Ivan Provorov was on a better team in Brandon than Ty Smith was on in Spokane, and Smith had superior numbers. So I just remind people of that before, you know, Ty Smith didn't light it up with Canada's U18 team, so we got a lot of people here saying, oh, he, you know, he doesn't have the upside. And I'm like, well, he can defend, he can skate, he's smart. Let's see. Johnny, when are we seeing you in Dallas? I'm going in on Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for the warning. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I, I hope that Chorus credit card is fresh. <laughs> you, now, you know. You know that ain't happening. <laughs> Take care, John. See you later. See ya. Oh, oh boy. All right, uh, 1252 at Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Ulrich with you. We'll take a quick timeout. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1254 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Ulrich with you in Oilers Now. If you're looking for a fun destination this year, you can take the kids to Disneyland. It's the happiest place on earth. Fabulous fun, great food, warm weather. Book now with New West Travel. Your Disneyland California package includes nonstop airfare, four-star hotel for seven nights, five-day attractions pass for reservations to Disneyland. Call the travel experts at New West Travel, 780-432-7446, or book online at newwesttravel.com. All right, let's get to it. You can text us on our Westlock Ford text line. Go and see Paul Olson at Westlock Ford. Visit westlockford.com to check out vehicles that could be right for you. All right, John has texted the show out of Edmonton. He says, Bob, it all comes back to goaltending. None of the coaching changes, trades, or draft picks everyone's talking about ad nauseum will matter if Talbot struggles again. If he doesn't get his game back, the season will be over by Halloween. That one comes to us from John. Out of Edson, Alberta, terrific community, this text comes in, Bob, John Shannon has lost his marbles. Milan Lucic has never been a strong power play guy. 16-17 was an outlier. 17-18 is closer to his career power play numbers. Mitch in the greater out of Camrose says, Bob, who's a better skater right now? Dustin Brown or Milan Lucic? One would think that has something to do with it. But it was the point is, it was like four bad years in a row for Brown. Might have been five bad years, and then he had a big year last season. Lucic has had a tough half season. Trevor from Edmonton. Bob, great show as always. Would a Bobby Ryan trade for Milan Lucic make sense for both sides? Also, is a Sekera buyout possible? Uh, I think if you're the Oilers, you hang on to, to, you don't do Lucic for Ryan, Okay. And in terms of Sekera, I think you got to give Sekera the chance to bounce back as well coming off of the injury. Uh, again, you can text us at 630-630. This text out of Edmonton. Bob, why on earth would the Edmonton Oilers take Ty Smith over Adam Boquist? Uh, we've always wanted a right-handed puck-moving defenseman. Boquist is that D-man. Not taking him would be a 
colossal mistake. That one comes to us from Carmen from Edmonton. You can text us at 630-630. Here we go. From Calgary, Alberta, old school, says the following. Old school. Now, that's a nice, that's a good handle. Old school. Uh, Amen. Uh, Lucic on the power play and or McDavid line with RNH. Put Lucic and Paul Yarby on McDavid's line and be done with it. If we if we're plus thirty three with McDavid on the ice and minus twenty one with him off, then finding him a winger is not our chief concern. RNH can't protect McDavid. Calgary proved that in January. Hmm. So he wants the big fella on the left side. Interesting stuff. It not uh, The issue with Ty Smith is this. He's a small left-handed defenseman, and the Oilers have lots of defensemen. Raider Jesse says, uh, Texas at 630-630, Bob, the Oilers passing on Adam Boquist will be like uh, passing on Kyle Connor and Matthew Barzell all over again from Raider Jesse. There you have it. Well, when you have a year like the Oilers had this past year, missed the playoffs 11 out of 12 seasons, you get second-guessed. I'm not, I don't know what the orders are going to do, but I'm telling you, based on the information I've received, and I was in Buffalo and talked to more than one or two organizations, lots of teams like Ty Smith more than Adam Boquist, for what it's worth. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Bob Green, the Oilers director of uh, player personnel, coming up at 105. He's going to be involved in the draft with Keith Gretzky. Get some of his thoughts going in. This is Oilers Now.